Welcome to The District, a podcast about politics and culture from the spectator world. I'm your host, Teresa Moll, and I'm joined today by Joel Colander. He is the interactive production manager for Rock Island Auction Company. Joel, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about what you do. I understand you guys just recently sold Han Solo's blaster from the Star Wars trilogy. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, correct. We uh, we sold that. First of all, thanks for having us on. We sold that in August the only one of three remaining from the original, you know, A New Hope back in the 70s for just over a million dollars. I was going to be gauche and asked how much it was, but uh, <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> you are in the business of buying and selling. Do you specialize in antique firearms? Do you do other neat items or is that pretty much your main focus? It's uh, collector firearms. There's a, a lot of usable ones as well. So for any hunters. There's a lot of first-time gun owners, of course, over the last two years, catering to them as well. It's it's uh, collectors, usable items, and also a lot of military, a lot of uh, military artifacts, a lot of even edged weapons, art, that anything uh, anything sort of gun collectors or gun guys might find in their in the gun room or a, or a den, you'd probably find it in an auction. So we are going to talk a little bit about kind of the silver lining, if you will, of the current recession and inflation and all of the scary stuff that's happening in the economy. We see an increase in the number of people buying things like luxury automobiles. I saw a headline that said that the luxury auto industry can't keep up with demand because people are taking their money out of the stock market or just not investing there in the first place. And rather, they're investing in neat things such as hot cars and antique firearms. So what trends have you seen recently with your company and in the auction business that uh, has to do with kind of recession-proofing your investments? Sure. Well, of course, gun values in the last 12 months are have really blown the ceiling off of the genre you know if you're considering them as a is a high asset sort of alternative investment like paintings jewelry watches collector cars things like that guns have for the longest time and still remain remarkably undervalued you know you see collectible base like a Mike Trout rookie card sells for millions of dollars he was like a rookie was it like 2009 and and here we have guns where when I started, if a gun broke a million dollars, it was a very, very big deal. Anymore, we sell guns at a million dollars annually. In the last 12 months, the two most expensive firearms ever sold uh, have been sold, one for six million. And then we sold a pair of Ulysses S. Grant's revolvers earlier this year in May for $5.17 million. So, and we've seen that, of course, not just in the highest performing, but as a company as a whole. Since I've started, annual sales have, have tripled, and that was 10 years ago. So uh, firearms as, as an investment are really becoming their own, but they're also becoming, like I said, just the, just the genres as a whole is coming along very, very nicely. Is that a trend that just more people, you know, the age of the internet, information is more readily available, so people just are, are informing themselves more about what's valuable and it's easier kind of to access the world of antique firearms? Or would you say, maybe it's a combination of both, but with legislation coming about frequently threatening the firearm industry, maybe not so much antique firearms, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes uh, gun control laws, no, no bounds. So uh, is that something you, you think might be affecting it as well with people kind of panic buying, for lack of a better word, or kind of saying like, oh, I don't know if you'll be able to get these in 10 years, I better buy them up. Sure. Usually if there's uh, collector firearms, don't see, I guess, much panic buying because if there's a 
panic, I guess, in nurse buying, you tend to see that more, at least in my mind, in a lot of what gets reported for NICS background checks uh, for modern firearms. Like they're going to ban this, you know, many rounds in a magazine or this type of, of, of rifle. Those will get snatched up and sort of re- relatively quickly. So we don't see too much of that. But occasionally when there is a panic, we will see a lot of people wanting to, you know, hey, I'm going to get money for these collector firearms while we can. So we, we occasionally will see a spike in consignments during that time as well. Relating to accessibility, it has 100% changed the game for collector firearms. You know, a lot of times the only places used to be able to find these were some of the biggest and best gun shows that were around the country, whether that was uh, Tulsa, you know, the Wanamaker Gun Show down in Tulsa, whether that was the Colt Collectors Association, the Sharps Collectors Association, Winchester, the Las Vegas Antique Arms Show, like these big national gun shows where guys have these you know incredibly involved displays and you'd go to enough of them and you'd talk to enough guys and hang around enough tables and that's where a lot of these deals would take place or maybe in the back pages you know the of a gun magazine you know someone might have a, a classified like hey I have this gun and it's for sale and that's how a lot of things were done um then it turned into you know more even in local gun shows you know that's where you found your deal that's where the community could gather anymore with the internet Auction houses are the way to be as far as, you know, we have an established web presence. We market these things. We take photos. There's so many more advantages over a local gun show that it, it, it's so much easier to find find them here at an auction house than it would be at a gun show. And that's not to disparage gun shows at all. I love going to a gun show, but they've, you know, they're not quite what they once were. And the inventory is definitely at, at places like Rock Island Auction. So if you've convinced people that uh, antique firearms or firearms in general are uh, a sound alternative investment during the recession, what are the best ways you would say for someone to go about getting more informed about purchasing firearms, you know, to make sure that they're buying something that's good, that's going to hold its value, that's worthwhile? Basically, how do you go about getting started investing in firearms? Sure. The first steps I'd say, of course, are are more general to, to firearms than they are to collecting and investing and making sure you're getting a good value. Know your local laws. So make sure if you want to collect something, you are legally permitted to do so. I live in Illinois for better, for worse. So if I have a a great (laughs) passion and love for collecting, you know, NFA machine guns or suppressors, like I'm I'm not able to do that. So know your laws, know your local jurisdictions. Number two, of course, is safety. When you're dealing with items like this, it's, it's paramount. So knowing those two things first, before you get into it, goes a long way. After that, it's like most collecting. What do you like? What, what trips the trigger for no pun intended, but you know, what's, <laughs> what pulls at your heartstrings? Is it, uh, for me, uh, the first gun I ever collected was, was the first gun I ever shot, you know, with my dad on a, on his boyhood farm on a, at a stick on a frozen Creek that he threw out there. So I like those, uh, it's a, it's a Remington Speedmaster five, five, two, if anyone's concerned, but they're not expensive to get into. By any stretch, you can find them for under $500. Collecting doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to appeal to you. Um, it doesn't have to be something worthy of a museum that, you know, with fine embellishments or tied to famous figures of uh, history. It's just got to be what you like. You know, is it the, the history? Was it involved in a battle? Was it maybe the engineering or mechanical development? You know, was it an important step in, in firearms history or progression? Maybe it is the artistry. Maybe it's just the lines. It's just got to appeal to you. Once you find something you kind of like, then it comes to educating yourself. You know, what's, what's neat? 
what should it be, you know, being able to determine genuine pieces from pieces that might not be as valuable and might be purported to be more valuable. A lot of collectors I've spoken to over the years say, you know, you buy the the $50, they say buy the $500 book before you buy the $5,000 gun. And that's a slight exaggeration. There aren't too many $500 books out there, but the point's the same. Like if you're willing to invest this amount of money in a collector firearm, you you better be able to, to buy the book and, and know what you're buying instead. And you can divide that by 10 and it's, it's still the same. Buy the $50 book before you buy a $500 gun. Make sure you know what you're getting and that what you're passionate about is really what's being represented by, by your seller. Okay. And once you purchase a firearm or two or 10 or 100, whatever it is, what's the best way you would tell people to go about making sure that they preserve these firearms, even if they use them, to make sure that they maintain their value and that they can be resold if need be in the future? Sure. As far as storage tips, I mean, securing them is always good. That that obviously is is subjective to each collector. You know, if you have children in your house, you probably want to store those more securely than if you don't. But it's always good a, a good idea to store your investments away from, you know, thieves or, or possible theft or even possible house fire. So a good safe is always important. I myself have made a, a calendar for firearms of when it was last fired and when it was last cleaned uh, and the detail of that cleaning that I field strip it, that I just wipe it down with oil. A lot of times that'll be enough, just a standard uh, light cleaning. For those who are really into the collector sphere, there's something, uh, a lot of people swear by something called Renwax or Renaissance Wax, which is for guns that aren't going to be used. It's more of a long-term sort of preservative that you can put on the surface of guns. So you don't have to worry as much about, say, environmental factors, things like that. Going back a little bit to the trends we were talking about earlier, you talked about just the value of certain firearms. You said about going from, you know, a couple being sold for a million dollars a year was a big deal. And last year, you know, that times five and six, you've seen these numbers. Have you also seen the number of people interested, maybe not in the top tier $5 million guns, but just in collecting guns in general and antique guns? Absolutely. And it's it's funny to think about, obviously, NSSF reported, you know, record numbers of buyers in 2020, and not just record numbers of buyers, record numbers of first-time buyers. I believe it was 5 million first-time gun owners in 2020, 5.4 million new gun owners in 2021. That's a lot of people, especially when you consider like the previously cited statistic was like 110 million gun owners in the United States. Well, if you added almost 10% over the course of two years, that's a huge jump. So for one, I think it's why we're seeing a, a pushback on a lot of gun control type legislation, because there's a lot of people new to the fold who recognize the a very real need for firearms. But we also saw a jump in our own sales as well, which was unexpected, but not unwelcome. Uh, you know, you expect that first time gun owners, if they you know see some social unrest or maybe even in the face of COVID, you know, going out and buying a, a, a very practical gun, a Glock 19, a uh, Smith & Wesson M&P, something like that, maybe even an AR platform. But so for it to translate into the collector's sphere as well, we found very fascinating because that, that direct connection isn't always there, but we definitely saw it. I mean, it went from, oh, what do we have here? Twenty In 2020, we sold $92.7 million in is what we had for our annual sales. In 2021, it jumped $121 million. So you're oh talking over 33% <laughs> in one year. Uh, in the year before 92.7, in 2020, we were at 77 million. 
So in two years, the be you know almost sixty six percent is reflects that that jump didn't just apply to you know your Glocks and your M and Ps and and what have you. It was uh, people have been the gun bug has been spreading and in no uncertain terms. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of interest in, in stories and coverage like yourself about uh, maybe we should be looking into the, the the value of these things and why people are, are picking those up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. We, uh, we tease my dad has quite a few firearms and it's, it's not unusual in my neck of the woods. I live in central Pennsylvania to encounter something known as a gun nut, which is a yeah. loving term for these eccentric people yeah. who you know, it's it's rare that you find someone who just has one gun. It seems like it's kind of you get a little bit addicted and you then you either have zero or you have like 25. <laughs> Which is a frequently cited thing, you know, a lot of times with, uh, you know, oh, record gun sales, record gun sales. A lot of times, you know, the uh, people who are seeking more gun control legislation will, will come back and say, yeah, but those are people who already own guns. Like those are the people who are hoarding. So this doesn't reflect the sentiment for you know, more pro gun stuff or, or new people or more gun owners. This is just, you know, the same group buying more and more and more. And of course they equate that to, to a certain level of dangerousness of these people. But the last two numbers of NCIS or the last two years of NICS background checks don't lie. Like, like I said, those over 10 million people, um, it's those numbers aren't just the same old crowd buying these. It's, uh, you know, some people certainly are all, all 10 million. I'm sorry. Because there were more checks than just those, um, aren't just the same old gun owners. Like there's there's a lot of new first time gun owners there. Specifically, NSSF cites a lot of first time African American owners and first time female owners. So, which is great to see. You know, these Second Amendment's for everybody, and they believe that. And uh, so to see it breaking out of the traditional molds is is fantastic. Yeah, it's interesting. All this whole new demographic of people especially people who, you know, traditionally kind of would vote for Democrats and politicians who would promote gun control. And now all of a sudden they have a lot of anti-gun laws and a lot of places with the most stringent, I'm sure you know, from living in Illinois with Chicago, very strict gun control laws, very dangerous place. And people people aren't dumb. They're waking up to this, the fact that defund the police is making them less safe and they're taking matters literally into their own hands by acquiring their own means of protection. And I also, yeah, those are just staggering numbers, 10 million new gun owners. People like to talk about how, as you mentioned, these uh, equating having a lot of guns to being very dangerous. But some of the safest places I've ever felt and, and have been is in rural places where there's tons of guns. There's people walking around with concealed carry weapons all over the place that you, most people have no idea are there. And I think if people really pause to think about how many guns there really are in America and how relatively safe we are outside of those places like New York, LA, DC, Chicago, the places with the worst gun control and the most liberal cities. Um, it's pretty astounding. <laughs> you think with all these guns, everyone would just be getting shot all the time, but that's not the case. Yeah. It's just this new audience. It's funny to see it coming in at both ends, I guess, for us, because we do cater to collectors at all levels. So we see it in our arms and accessories auctions. It's sort of our, our lowest priced tier, uh, but it's very usable sort of everyday guns, whether it's hunting or EDC, or our very highest end of collectibles where the prices are, like I said, hitting new highs. It's really interesting to see how Guns are coming along on in in both areas. It's it's pretty exciting. It's actually our, uh, of course, there's a lot more people who are shopping in sort of our, or are able to shop at our uh, arms and accessories auctions. Those used to be a couple times a year. We're now holding them monthly, sometimes several times a month, 
for our arms and accessories auction. So it's that also reflects, I think, a big part of why those sales are able to grow the way they are. It's because people are coming into it and more and more everyday people. And that's where the, the largest audience is. What is it other than the obvious self-defense mindset and also people who use them practically for hunting? What is it about guns that Americans love so much? I mean, I think that unlike... Well, similar to cars, but kind of more more than that, guns have such a, a fascinating complexity to them. I think whenever you're collecting them, they are works of art. They are a tool. So they have like this really neat machining going on. There's so many just different, um, you know, depending on the brand stylings of them and also the history, you know, as you mentioned, Ulysses S. Grant, there's so many stories that go into that, the journey that a lot of these antique guns have taken. And they're easier to store than a car, <laughs> a little bit easier to maintain, I guess, depending on which one you have. But I just think it's it's a really cool thing that um, that can attract a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, 100%. We've, we've said the same thing. You know, what is it? I mean, to start off your question, like, what is it about Americans in particular? One, I think we have a, a body of laws that that is more permissive and allows us to collect them. So we so we do. If we didn't have those, obviously it would it would throttle that pretty good. But what is it? To be honest, and I, so here I am reading about one of the one of the items in our upcoming December premiere auction. It's a it's a revolver of Teddy Roosevelt, shipped to Teddy Roosevelt the day he left for San Antonio to to train the Rough Riders. You know, before he heads out to Cuba and charge up San Juan Hill, like. This is factory documented to Teddy Roosevelt. And even at the time, there was a romance for the West. They wanted, like the public gave these guys the first volunteer U.S. cavalry. They called, you know, they nicknamed them the Rough Riders. And it's because there's there's something about the, you know, the quote unquote rugged individualism, the self-sufficiency that a firearm can provide, whether that's for providing your own food, defending your own family fighting for your own country there's guns can provide that in any in any number of ways so i don't think it's much of a stretch to find firearms like a very useful component of that sort of a merit that strong held american value of self-sufficiency and like i said that's not just recent that goes back to even we're just out of the wild west you know we're we're not even 1900 yet and people are naming these people, the rough riders, because they think, oh, you know, to be rough and tumble, to be self-sufficient, to be able to defend yourself is, are these really strong American values. And so they have been for, for quite some time. Is that the only reason? No, all the mentions you said were a hundred percent things we see, whether you're an engineer and you're interested in the mechanical development, figures of history, the artistry, the embellishment of, you know, a hunting shotgun, what have you, it's, it's, it's all things that any number of you know, genres and aficionados of their various areas, and they're all coming together to, to figure out, oh, like there's a reason there's an arms and armor wing in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And that's because these things, it is not subjective that they are valuable. It is, it is objective. Like they've been placed in museums. Like these things are valuable. So I think it's a matter of time. I think the bubble's been burst, frankly, when you start seeing you know, struggling to get $1 million firearms and now five and six, the ground floor, we might be off the ground floor, but there's still a long way to go. You know, when you see Andy Warhol print selling for 190 million, like I said, Mike Trout's rookie card selling for, I think it was 4 million. I don't, I don't recall anymore, but things like that were, you know, I personally, I'd, I'd rather have Teddy Roosevelt's revolver than either one of those things. 
and Teddy Roosevelt's revolver might sell for for a quarter of of what some of those of like Mike Trout's rookie card. And that to me that just screams how undervalued they are and how much room there is at the top for these things to grow as a as a hard asset alternative investment. So people should be buying antique firearms now. You heard it here first. (laughs) If they want to uh, learn more about the amazing guns you all have to offer and maybe take the plunge and start collecting, what's the best way to learn about your inventory and upcoming auctions and things like that? We always have auctions up at rockislandauction.com. And you can find us on probably your preferred uh, social media channel, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our YouTube channel. We have videos coming out right now about the December auction and those are being very well received. So uh, maybe there's something that'll interest you as, uh, as well on there. Thank you for listening to this episode of The District. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Spectator World is the U.S. edition of the world's oldest magazine. To read more content on similar topics, visit spectatorworld.com. 